1: chapter 4 with verses 13 through 37. following peter's demonstration of god's power by healing the lame beggar he delivered his second sermon to the jews in jerusalem peter and john were immediately arrested by the temple guards and brought before the high priest he was warned by the jews not to preach the gospel In verses 19 and 20, Peter and John replied, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Please listen to Pastor Harris as he delivers today's portion of this week's message entitled, We Cannot Stop Speaking. Understand When evil people rage, when they come against
0: the Lord's anointed, when they come against His His people, God is in charge of that. Is He motivating the evil? No. But He's going to have His will be done. That's how your sins got paid for. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He went to the cross to do that. Now another lesson comes from this prayer as it continues. Look at the next three verses. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Oh, I hoped that they gathered in the temple, because I hoped the Sadducees and the priests and the temple, uh, the captain of the temple guard. I hoped they had to feel the ground shake when those people were praying. But then again, they weren't as snarky as I am, wherever they were. God gave them this little bonus that he, this miraculous confirmation to them being again filled with the Holy Spirit. But would you notice the two-part request of that prayer? And this is another pattern for how we respond when we're persecuted. Number one, take note of their threats. They didn't fight against the people. they, they, They falsely, without any legitimate cause, arrested Peter and John, interrogated them, told them to shut up. And what did they do? They called out to God and they said, um, take note of their threats. They left it in God's hands. They didn't try to impeach the high priest. They didn't uh, try to um, start a, a Twitter campaign to smear the Sadducees. That would have been too easy. Well, it would have been hard if you didn't have Twitter. But they just, Lord, take note of their threats. And while you're noticing their threats, second. Request, give us boldness to speak your word. So notice again how much effort the early Christians focused on changing anti-Christian public policy. They didn't. Now, it's not wrong to lobby for more friendly laws. Uh, It's not wrong to oppose anti-Christian public policy, but that's not the highest priority. You know, we have an election coming up. It's a good thing about living in America. There's always an election coming up, but we have an election coming up in the, in the, in, in the city of Boise, and someone has filed to run against the incumbent mayor of Boise. Um, our current mayor, is deeply scared and grieved, she says, about the Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. uh, v. Wade. She wants as many abortions as possible to take place in this city. That's serial murder, at least by complicity. You can't vote for somebody like that. Not and call yourself a Christian. It's right to stand up and speak the truth. Now problem is, I have no idea if the person who's filed to run has a different view or not, but I know something I couldn't do, absolutely could not vote for that person. You see, the highest priority when people oppose you because of your faith is to stand for the truth. Don't be a jerk about it, but stand for the truth. Proclaim the gospel. Call upon the Lord in prayer. Ask Him to give you uh, boldness as you speak. And learn from the example of this prayer that the persecution, it's not against you. You're just a convenient target. It's against the Lord and His Christ. Peter, one of the two guys who was arrested, touched this whole thing off. He would later write, 1 Peter 4.14, if you are reviled for the name of Christ. Isn't that what happened to him? He was reviled. He was told he was a problem. He was told to shut up, but it was for the name of Christ. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, Peter wrote, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Well now look what else happens here. We have the same thing happening at the end of chapter 4 that happened at the end of chapter 3 where we have an incident that sets the stage for the next chapter. If I was determining chapters in the Bible, uh, Acts would already be two chapters shorter because I would have combined chapter 2, chapter 3, and chapter 4. They all all fit together. And then you're going to see, oh, yes, and it flows directly into chapter 5. We won't linger here, but you need to see what's going on. Look what happens next. We're going to see the Spirit working among these people who are calling on God. Verses 32 and 33. And the congregation of those who believed. Now, remember... 5,000 men, heads of household, plus women and children. The congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to Him was His own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. Now, what would it look like, for that many people to be of one heart and soul. Well, they acted as if they belonged to each other. It's like what Jesus said in John 13, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. So read on. Verses 34 and 35. For there was not a needy person among them For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each one as any had need. Caring for each other is being of one heart and one soul. So as needs arose, they treated each other as if they were one big family. They were of one household and they took care of each other. Now, I need to give you a little bonus section. Some cults and even some misguided Christians take this text, and there's a very similar one that we already saw in chapter 2, verses 44 and 45, and I said, wait till chapter 4 and I'll say more. Um, They take them to mean that as believers, we should liquidate all our assets and put it all in one pool and share equally. They might say, well, you know, uh, communism didn't work very well in the Soviet Union because it was under the control of bad people. But, but among Christians, that's really how it should be. Well, good idea, except for what the text actually, actually says. Let me show you some reasons why that's an erroneous misapplication. First of all, this text does not teach that everyone pooled their possessions together. They had the attitude that All things belong to God, and they regarded them as belonging to Him, so we belong to Him, our stuff belongs to Him, we belong to each other. Neither passage says that uh, as the next step after you repent and you believe and you're baptized is sell everything and and, and give it all to the apostles. It never says that. Never says they did that. It says, it was as anyone had need. When a need arose, people would, if necessary, even sell possessions to help meet the need. The fact that they sold them, the text clearly implies at several different times means they didn't just put them in one pool. It was as a need arose. Each person's resources remained under that person's control until they chose to sell them, if they chose to sell them. That's going to be a huge point in the next chapter, by the way. Would you notice also that in the midst of this, the apostles were in charge of assessing needs, recognizing needs, sharing them, and monitoring who received help. Spiritual leadership includes the care for the souls and their physical needs as well. Would you notice also the common goal of everyone here was not pool everything. It was give testimony to the resurrection of the Lord. The apparent reason that this practice or that this is recorded here is so that it could set an example. Uh, This has been common among believers wherever persecution is common to those believers. Church history is full of examples of Christians acting like this in times of great suffering, as the text says, as any had needs. If you haven't been reading those stories about what the Christians are doing to take care of one another and then with one mind point people to Jesus in the midst of the horrible refugee situation created by the invasion of Ukraine, well, go read some of those things. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program.